0: Welcome to this episode of Highways and Hedges. Highways and Hedges is the podcast of the ministry Agros, and Agros exists to find, train, and support small-town pastors in northeast Kansas and northwest Missouri. If you want to find out more about our ministry, you can go to agrosministry.wixsite.com forward slash KSMO, or you can punish me for being a cheapskate and not go there until I buy a domain name that's easier to go to. I've had several people um warned me about that recently. So, this is a shout out to you. I'll get working on that soon. Uh on this episode today, I asked the first ever Agros preaching intern to join me on today's episode um because we'd like to talk about that. His name is Caleb. Hi Caleb. Hi Joe. Hey Caleb, I uh thanks for joining me today. I just because I know you well now, but in case we have any listeners who haven't met you yet, would you be willing to share just a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from. What do you do by day and what do you do by
1: night? So, yeah, I, I come from a little town in central Kansas, a little town called Durham. And there's only about 85 people here. And uh, what I do most of the time when I'm not studying God's Word and looking to preach is I work on woodworking. So, I have a small woodworking business. It's called 4HG Carpentry. So, I seek to do woodworking for the glory of God. That's why I call it 4HG. So, uh, and uh, right now, I'm actually working on a cabinet project. Um, most of the time when I'm not doing that, I'll spend time with my family. Uh, we I come from a family that I have nine siblings, so most of us at this point still live at home. So we enjoy playing games together, we enjoy studying, we enjoy doing some music together. So we have, have a lot of fun. It's it's a blessing to have the family that God's placed me in, and that's that's a joy.
0: I know about your fondness of board games, because I've been the victim of that a couple of times during the internship. <laughs> uh, well, Caleb um, moved from Durham to Atchison to do this, this first attempt at an Agros preaching internship with me this spring, and I was hoping just in recording this conversation um, that we'd accomplish two things. Um, one was just that I was encouraged by the fruit of our fellowship through that internship, and so I was just hoping that uh, for our listeners, it could be an encouragement just to hear um, hear about the, the fruit that the Lord provided for us, that he grew through our fellowship, so that that would be an encouragement to the faith of anyone listening. Um, but I secondly wanted to encourage, if there's any pastors listening to this, um, I want to encourage you to lead your own preaching internship. I, I really think the internship was a fruitful use of my time and of caleb's time it was really doable i mean i think it actually had some unique strengths that other methods of training pastors don't have and that's kind of what i am hoping that we can get into in our conversation today to help you see that and encourage you to do it so i caleb i kind of want to start with that last point i want to just reflect on the strengths of a preaching internship over other opportunities of training um I know that the biggest surprise for you during the internship was how many vegetables I eat in a meal, but second to that, what were some things that exceeded your expectations in our time
1: together? I think just the being able to spend time, you know, one-on-one with you each week studying the passage writing the sermon and then even the the feedback time we had on Friday and just how valuable that is when it started so on Friday afternoons we'd preach our messages to each other and then give each other feedback on those messages and just how valuable that time having both positive and negative feedback even things that's like critiquing that and having worked through the passage and the material all week together and then to sit down and preach those messages and say you know, here's an area, this is something we talked about this week, and now I see that in your message. I see how that, what we studied is yielding in the fruit in that way. And then also areas where it's like, you know, we talked about this, this should be in your message, and it wasn't. <laughs> and here's some ways that we need to put that in. I think just the, the hands-on nature and then the nature of actually taking what we were learning and then turning it into a message not just saying, I'm going to learn this, and at the end of the semester I'll have a message, but rather, here's what we're learning, and here's how I'm going to implement it to feed God's sheep this week. And just the the tying that together to the church and the feeding of God's sheep on a very local, very immediate level.
0: That's good. Uh, so one of the things I'm thinking about is that you have done a lot of study yourself. You've read books and listened to lectures um because you have a desire for gospel ministry and want to be equipped for that. And so just to maybe try to bring into focus what you're talking about right now, having another brother to do that with you kind of exceeded your expectations, that you're used to reading some topic of ministry or topic of theology and seeking to apply it in your own life, but something about actually having someone else there to do it with you uh, provided more than you expected. You know, is that, is that kind of what you're getting at, that having the other person involved, um, you know, improved your study?
1: Right, actually having somebody to sit there and talk to, somebody to, to interact about, somebody even to listen to the lectures together with and to, to share the material and then to talk about the, the message. I mean, it's a lot easier to preach the message and then I knew what you were to some level grading me on because we'd spent the week talking about it. We'd, we'd walked through that and you were there to actually talk to both during the week as we were preparing the message and then as we talked about the message and even a couple of the times you got to be there when I went to the church to preach it and just the the blessing of that the having a brother to walk together with I think it was very valuable to, to walk together
0: yeah um it was because of Agro's financial supporters that Caleb and I were both able to devote about 20 hours a week or more to this internship, which uh, we were both perpetually grateful for. We got to read two books during the internship. We listened to a series of lectures on preaching. We had time to discuss that material. We are able to prepare sermons together. We pra- Like Caleb mentioned, we practice them together on Fridays. And then on Sundays, we would go and we'd preach them at local churches too. Um, but I recognize that it's not always going to be the case that a church or a pastor is able to provide enough finances for that amount of study. Then You know, 20 hours a week is a lot. Um, and that's why we were so grateful for it. But if you were going to say to someone, Caleb, this is the one thing that was, this was the, the best part of the internship, the most useful part for me. Every internship should have this this aspect. What of all those things I just mentioned, would you say this is the one thing that kind of rose to the surface as the most helpful?
1: I think the actual act of preaching messages. And so having churches to preach them in, but then working towards doing that. And if you were going to only do one thing, I'd probably do the preaching the messages to each other on Friday. I mean, the idea of actually preaching a message to somebody and then giving positive and negative feedback related to that. Um, It's kind of hard to say I'd take any of the elements out because I appreciated a lot of them, just the study together, the opportunity to go to churches. So I think any of those, but the actual act of doing the preaching... I think it's the thing that would be the most valuable say do that and make sure that you seek to even give feedback related to that
0: yep I I agree to I came to love the Friday times one of the reasons we set that up as a preview for the sermon instead of review is because we do we, we both believe that when God gathers his people on Sunday and his word is preached, our main our main response should be gratitude to the Lord. And we, I just felt a concern that if we were always reviewing those sermons, you know, if we sat down on a Sunday afternoon to tear apart a sermon, it would be hard in your heart to feel grateful for what the Lord, the strength he had provided, the preparation he had given you, you'd end up just feeling, I would feel anyways, very dejected um, and be difficult to actually give thanks that the Lord did anything. And I really, I felt like it worked well to have something that we actually preached the sermon on Friday to one another. And sometimes a a group of men came to serve us as well with their feedback, which was great. Um, But that helped kind of maintain that, that goal of being able to give thanks at the end of the sermon um, but also still have the value of getting some feedback before you actually do preach it so i would I would probably agree with you sermon preview if there was just one thing if you were going to call it an internship or you're going to train someone um do that do that sermon preview with someone so that you can um improve and actually in practice that 's I think what made it so great was that we were actually putting into practice things that we had thought about and then being able to have someone else kind of assess that and tell us whether we actually did it or not. Um, I, I'm curious what you think, Caleb. What What do you think helped us get over the hump of generic, polite feedback? You know, like, hey, it was a good sermon. Uh, maybe take your hands out of your pockets next time. <laughs> you know, like, that's often what I've heard as sermon feedback. And you and I got into a pretty good groove of giving some... Um I think more um substantial, and at times it could have felt cutting, but got to feedback that was really valuable what How do you think that happened? How would you encourage people to get over that hump?
1: I think part of it might come from the from the technical book that we had, the book that we were doing, and it gave us kind of a a some guidelines that we were seeking to follow, some tools to use in our messages and so then we were saying, Here we talked about this and now, did we or didn't we do the things that we talked about that the book suggested us doing, the tools that it, it recommended for an oral preaching setting? I think that was part of it. I think the other part was the relationship that you and I have. The fact that you and I are fairly good friends and have developed a friendship. We know each other's even personality. Even the one point I remember you saying, well, don't do that. That doesn't sound like you. I know you better than that. And I think the value of having a close relationship with somebody that you're not somebody that's just off the street or even a, somebody that knows in a class of four, 30 or 100 people. I'm somebody you know at a one-on-one friendship basis. And I think that helped move beyond that. I realized what you were giving was constructive help to encourage and instruct me in areas to really help me improve at feeding God's sheep, of helping God's flock. And it's a friend helping a friend. And I think that's, that was probably the biggest thing that helped to get over that.
0: Yeah, I I agree with both of those. In case anybody's curious, Caleb and I uh, read the book, um, Is it? it's Christ-Centered Preaching, isn't that right? Is that what it was? The title was Christ-Centered yeah. Preaching by Brian Chapel. And in the appendix of that book, he has a sermon feedback form that we just copied into a Word document and we printed every week. And we, I don't know that either of us would say there's only one way to review a sermon. But we would say having those explicit shared goals, I think, made our feedback so much easier. It's what got over that hump of just saying something nice, not wanting to offend. Because when we both knew, as I preach, I want my sermon subjected to these goals, it made it so easy for us to then look at it kind of objectively together afterward and say, oh yeah, I did fail in this one aspect that I was seeking to attain thank you for pointing that out. I can make those adjustments. So if I was going to recommend anything, it, you could get that f- feedback form, but if not, get some feedback form and agree together on, okay, these are the goals we're aiming for so that um, we're able to point those things out in our feedback and be a little bit more constructive and a little less bland and generic. Um, so I would, I would definitely underline that point you made. Um, Caleb, if If you weren't actually doing an internship, let's say 20 years from now the Lord has called you to be a pastor, and you know a pastor in a nearby community, and both of you have built a friendship, do you think doing a sermon preview with another pastor would be helpful? Would that be a fruitful thing to do?
1: I think it could be still the element of, I think we always have areas that we can grow in. You know, in some ways I'm looking ahead at that. I'm not saying I'm a young man that feels like, I mean, I've only preached like 15 or 16 sermons. So it seems very valuable to me. But I think somebody even that had preached maybe 500 sermons would still feel like they have areas that they can grow in. And to even sit with somebody else and have some others give feedback like that to continue helping improve your messages. I think we all would see that we could improve in that way and to say, you know, maybe there's areas that I still need to work on and having something like that, I think could be very helpful for that. I think it could also be helpful for young men to sit down in that setting with somebody who has preached a lot and watch them preach as a part of what was going on, because then that becomes uh, kind of almost an example not a perfect example in any way, but an example of what it means to, here's somebody that has gotten some experience, here's what they're doing, here's some of the things they're successfully doing, and I can see that in them. It's like, oh, that's what that looks like when somebody illustrates a Bible passage very well, or that's why they're doing when they have their main points. Now I make sense because I've been learning it, and now I see them doing it, and I watch them happen. So I think that would be another way that that could be helpful.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, inviting other young men. I hadn't thought about that, but I was just reflecting on a couple different things. I I remember one pastor telling me, you know, the one way to encourage pastors is to get someone who will preach to them. Pastors spend all of their time preaching to their flock, but they never actually get preached to. And so I thought, you know, that was one of the benefits you and I experienced was we're here seeking to to feed the sheep every Mm -hmm. Sunday. Um, And the Lord is serving our faith through that act of preaching and then through the other elements of the church's gathering. So it's not like the pastor is just the giver and everybody else is getting on Sunday. The Lord is giving to all of us on Sundays when we gather. So that's not the right way to say it. But we still felt a lot of mutual edification from the sermon preview um, by sitting down on Fridays and hearing a brother open the word to one another Our faith was stirred. It gave us more ambition for preaching the coming Sunday. Um, But the other thing that I thought about was that there were some men who expressed to us as we were talking about this preview saying like, I would, as a pastor, would like to have someone give me this kind of feedback. You know, I never hear from other people whether I'm preaching well or preaching poorly. I'd love to hear ways that I can improve. And I think usually when you get feedback from your church, it is it is the more general polite. You know if you preach a really good sermon, maybe you hear some really good feedback. But if it if you there are places that your church knows you could improve, they're afraid to hurt your feelings and so they and I don't know that it's wrong, but they would tend to be more generic and polite in their feedback. And I think there are men out there who are saying, "Well, if I have ways that I could improve, I want to know what those are." And I would say, "You know what? Give this a shot. If you've got fellowship with another brother pastor, maybe strengthen that relationship, agree on, you know, what the feedback form is so that you guys have shared goals and what you want assessed according to, and then preach it to each other on a Friday and give each other feedback. I think that that actually probably strengthened my friendship with you, Caleb, in having something a little bit more, a more substantial interaction um, by kind of forcing us to give stuff that Like the scripture says, iron sharpening iron, having something that was a little bit more. Yeah, I just say less than superficial. It was getting deeper in our interactions, kind of built more trust between us. So I would really encourage any pastors out there, if you don't have a guy to lead through an internship, but you just want to strengthen the ministry of the gospel in your region, get get a brother from a nearby town. And every once in a while, do something like this. Preach a sermon to one another and give feedback so you can both always be improving. Um, in the internship, Caleb and I read two different books. One was Christ-Centered Preaching by Brian Chapel. The other was Expository Exaltation by John Piper. That second one was a little bit more devotional and theological, while uh, Chapel's book was a little bit more practical and technical. Uh, Caleb, if you were leading an internship, and the guy you were training could only read one book, which would you lean toward? Would you lean more toward the practical, technical, or the devotional,
1: theological? In in some ways, that's kind of a hard question. I mean, because I think they were both were very good, and in in many ways they kind of complemented each other. As we were reading the the more technical book, that the devotional book in some ways stirred us up to say, yes, this is something I should be doing. But I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably say the technical book, just because it's kind of helped establish some framework, even taught some specifics about explanation, about illustration, about application, dealing with some of the fundamentals of what preaching is, some of the, maybe you'd say, building blocks, or I think he called them tools in the book, you know, learning some of the tools of the the trade of actually preaching. And so since it was dealing with those, I think it was probably the one that helped hone my preaching the most, it helped me add elements to my to my sermons that I maybe didn't have before that came more from that. And in some ways, if you're working on a preaching internship, you probably already have a little bit of the motivation for why am I preaching? And so to actually have some of the technical aspect. But I think in some ways you might have to assess based on this, the particular situation. You know, if I'm dealing with a situation that I need to be stirred up in that, preaching is a good thing, and that I need to be motivated to do that. Maybe that's the need. In that case, I think maybe you would go with the devotional book and say, let's just read about what does it mean to preach, and what's going on when preaching's happening, and why is preaching important for God's people? And if that's the bigger need, then probably the devotional book, probably the one that focuses on encouraging the element of what preaching is, would be more useful. But I think in my situation to say, I really need to learn even what what the elements of preaching are, the technical book probably would be the direction I would lean. But you'd have to use pastoral prudence, as Chapel was so uh, keen to say, as he often used for us, to to decide which situation fits best in your occasion.
0: Yeah, that's a very wise thing to say by (laughs) saying either one. Um, No, I think I would lean toward what you're saying too, though. I think that um, for the purpose of an internship, a practical, technical book gives you more grounds to p- apply things together, which does not denigrate the value, and really, the it's essential to have correct theology of preaching. But you, we could probably have read expository exaltation on our own and got almost the same benefit um because we did discuss it and it was really refreshing i think it stirred our hearts um, with love for the glory of christ and wants to hear him preached well um but i don't know that it gave us things to actually help one another so just to give an example um expository exaltation really focused on the pastor must be worshiping in the act of preaching not just in his preparation, not just seeking to cause other people to worship, but he himself should be worshiping as he preached. That's fantastic goal. But how in the world could I assess that very accurately and tangibly when you preach to me on Fridays? You know, that would be a lot harder to say, oh, I could tell whether you were worshiping or not. And I, I'm not saying that I should just never assess it in that way, but that's not very tangible. That'd be very hard to assess. Compared to... Let's take an example from Christ-centered preaching. He said, in an oral audience, you know, people are not reading your sermon, they're hearing it. Your main points need to be what he called parallel and structure. The structure of your main points need to be parallel wording, because that's how the human mind can capture that another main point is being made, and they'll be able to follow your th- flow of thought a lot better. So then when we preached, it was really easy for us to point out, hey, this point is not parallel in wording. If you changed it like this, I think people's minds would be able to track clearer with what you're saying. So much easier to do. And so I probably would, for an internship that's trying to improve preaching, lean toward, get a practical technical book for that. Just don't neglect the theological devotional one. Um, You know, read that, maybe even discuss that as a separate thing. But for an internship that's trying to train someone in preaching, I think the practical technical book that certainly helped us more, and that's partly because we're still riding with the training wheels, right? <laughs> we're still, we're still just baby preachers, and yeah. I think that that's kind of a good segue to the next part of what I'd like to talk with you about. Those books gave us some essential fundamentals to work with, and I think neither you nor I would have said we were great preachers before this internship. <laughs> And we'd probably both see our shortcomings even clearer now that it's over, um, that we would see that maybe there was some progress, but more than that, we just learned what better, what preaching ought to be. And now we have clear ideas of the places that we need to progress in. Um, and I think that we're so inexperienced as preachers that if we weren't studying some kind of material together we probably just would have misled one another in the feedback that we gave. It was really helpful to have those books. And so that's something I was hoping you could also help me highlight, Caleb, because I think if other people could hear how ordinary our interactions were, and even how, how often we had our own shortcomings, I think they might be surprised um, that we both considered the internship so fruitful in the ways that we've been describing up to this point. If we could also show, hey, listen, Neither of us, neither of us are professional preachers, neither of us knew really anything about it until we started reading it in the book. <laughs> Just a funny example of that was you know oftentimes we would read a new chapter in the book and then both of our sermons would suddenly have those elements of the of <laughs> from that chapter in our sermons, and both of us would do what that that chapter talked about, and we'd never done it before. um so clearly you know we're we're not professional. Preachers, but I still think the internship was fruitful, but let's I just want to kind of take it a little bit to describe what were some ways that the internship was you know really anybody could do this um so could you describe some ways that it was evident to you as the intern that I was not a preaching professor, so maybe something in the way I'd set up the weekly schedule or times in our discussions or even times in the feedback I was giving you that you'd say, and I won't be offended, that was genuinely lower quality than if you'd had an internship with, say, Brian Chapel, who wrote our technical textbook. He'd obviously give you better. So can you kind of help people think and see some practical ways that I
1: was not a preaching professor? <laughs> well, I, I think one of them that would stand out a little bit was a couple of the times where you would point something out in the feedback and you say, you know, you really need to do better at illustration, or you really need to work on your application, and I ask, so what does that mean? And you say, well, I'm not exactly sure, but let's seek to learn together. And I think that was was part of it. And what I appreciated from that then from you is your willingness to even step out and to say, yeah, I maybe don't know, but let's continue learning and growing. And you were still willing to say, you know, as a person sitting under this preaching, I think you still need to work on this area. I don't necessarily have a pat answer to give you. And Brian Chappell, not a pat answer, but he probably could have given an answer because he's done it better. But you and I were able to then go together and look at, well, what does Chappell say in this chapter? What what did he talk about? And And to learn then together, it became more of a growing together thing. And maybe some of that comes from my my own uh homeschool background where that's a little bit how my learning has always been it's been i may go to mom with a question and say well how, what is this she, well let's look at the book what does it say what what is what is the instructor who wrote this and that kind of an environment that was there it's maybe not what a trained professional could give you but it was still helpful because you were still willing to say let's learn together and i think you were your your willingness to be vulnerable in that sense to say you know I don't know what what this is all about. But you were still willing to step out and say, let's study this together and let's learn and grow. Just because I don't know what that means doesn't mean I can't tell Caleb that he needs to work on that. Just because I don't know what exactly that should look like doesn't mean I can't say, let's continue working on this. So I think that's, that's maybe – it wasn't as – much of a clear answer as it could have been, but I think you still worked on it and helped point me to the places where we could continue growing together. Yeah, that's a really
0: good answer. That was a place where I often felt deficient in giving feedback when I, I just sensed, oh, I think this this part of your sermon could have been better. And I don't even know why. So what do I say? Um, and I think that, yeah, that that was definitely a shortcoming that a preaching professor in a seminary class would probably be able to nail on the first try you know the first time he hears the sermon say oh these are the things you need to start working on to improve that um and it yeah that would that would be valuable i i do want to say we're not trying to say that this internship was um better um, than other forms of training like seminary we i, I would say there were distinct advantages that it has that other forms of training don't have, but what I'm trying to highlight here is that there is also distinct disadvantages when someone who doesn't, who's not trained in homiletics, seeks to train someone else just by reading a book together. Um, and one of those disadvantages is, you know, when when we don't know what to what to say um, in terms of feedback, how to help one another actually improve. So, um, was there any part of the internship? that didn't quite meet your expectations when you were coming in? Any part of the... is Something you were hoping would happen beforehand that you thought, oh, by the end of this, I will finally fill in the blank. And then nine weeks later, you're like, why did that not happen?
1: Uh, It was probably a little bit picturesque on my part, but I felt like going in, I was like, I'm going to walk out of this and I'm going to feel like my sermons are just vastly improved. And that that I'm just that much better of a preacher. And I think in the end, I walk away feeling like, you know, I'm not as good of a preacher as I thought I was. (laughs) And I think that was a good thing because I learned how inadequate I am on myself and how much I need God and his spirit to work in me, even relying upon what's provided and not trusting in myself so i think that was a good thing that it didn't meet my expectation that i didn't get feel like i was fully equipped or trained myself but more like Mm -hmm. i'm beginning to learn how much i need god to accomplish this but also learning some tools it's like oh i really do need to add that to my preaching and this pointed that out. So the time, maybe, maybe the timer strike was something that felt like, I mean, that nine weeks was a little too short. And just the reminder that this is an ongoing learning process. Nine weeks isn't the end. It's just simply the beginning. This is, this is the start. This is a way to, to jumpstart what I'm doing. It's not like this is a, a full robust program, but more like this is a step in the process and I'm beginning to learn. I'm continuing this process of learning. And this was a very vital part of that.
0: Yeah, that really came home to both of us when one of the men who came to assess our preaching on a Friday said that he was not allowed to finish his course of study until he'd preached, I think he said, 70 sermons. (laughs) And we realized, okay, well, (laughs) we are here on number eight. We're going to preach nine. We're not finished with our study and preaching. Um, And so I, I think that you just make a good point there that growing in ministry should be kind of a lifetime Goal, not a not like a, i I've mastered it and now. I can move on to something else. But Paul's command to Timothy to let your progress be evident to all um, is something that probably all all ministers of the gospel should be seeking to do constantly. We always want to recognize our shortcomings. Um, so, just as a final final question here, Caleb. Um, kind of now combining both points, both that we thought it was really fruitful and we want people to see we didn't do anything special. Um, Anybody could do what we were trying to do. We were not, we are not skilled preachers. Um, Why still, with both of those in mind, why shouldn't we just leave this kind of training exclusively to professionals? It's fine, fine to go get trained in seminary. Great, if you have the opportunity to go be trained by a professional, why wouldn't you? But why shouldn't we leave this exclusively to professionals? Why should the average ordinary pastor be seeking to uh, identify people that he
1: can bring into internships and equip in this way? I think maybe one of the reasons would be the, the vast need that's there. The fact that there is a need for Preacher, There is a need for people to be fed. There is a need for preaching to happen and to say we're not going to say this only happens in a cubicle setting. This only happens in a a specific as we know it setting, but rather more like this is important enough for us as a church to be doing that we should take time to do it. It's not like that's only something some people should do, but as part of the role of being a pastor in a church is to say I'm going to train people for ministry. And that might look like training somebody to preach. And it may be preaching in the church. It may be preaching for a nursing home or at the local rescue mission, or maybe even it's just sharing the gospel with your coworker. But learning to preach, learning to share the gospel, learning to expound God's truth, I think it's a valuable enough thing that it's like, I think we all should be learning to do it. Especially the men should be being trained to what it means to, to expound God's word and to share it with others. And I think that that's too significant of a thing to say that only can happen at Bible college or that only can happen at seminary. I think that's part of the, the work at the local church that should be taking place and should be happening. Um, perhaps another one that would come out of it is just the fact that we as friends, as brothers in Christ that walking together need to be encouraging each other. That it's not just the role of a professional. Church is not a professional thing churches sinful people that have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb helping sharpen one another and that's what the church is about that's what the local church is about that's not something that only happens at a by a professional somebody that's been trained for that rather that's what each of us do each and every day and that's what we're called to do and that's what this can even become is you and i walking through life together to encourage one another to help each other to to work at what does it mean to be believers what does it mean to pastor a church
0: yeah i uh, as i was reflecting on that question too had kind of a, a similar flow of thought that this kind of training um well the the way i was approaching it is this this kind of training is bonding in a unique kind of fellowship you know you at a seminary you build a relationship with a professor and that's good it should and then you are separated from them usually in where you go to ministry and you want to maintain a relationship and some men are able to do that, some aren't. But doing this kind of training bonds the two brothers together in, a, I think, a, a very fruitful kind of fellowship that I, I'm not sure you get by just, um, you know, getting together with a young man and um, sharing coffee and talking about life, but focusing together on let's sharpen our tools of the trade together. I just, I feel like I have deeper interactions and more personal interactions with you after the internship. And part of it is because we are going through that crucible together, in a sense. Um I feel like you and I both now care about and want to support the future ministry that the Lord is calling us to. And if the Lord keeps us near one another, we'll be able to do that in really practical tangible ways that we couldn't do if I was, you know, a professor that you came to um for a few years miles and miles away who's going to stay in that institution and you're going to be um, you know, states away even. But now actually I care about your opportunities to advance the gospel where you're at. And if we, if the Lord keeps us close to one another, we'll be able to continue doing that. Um, and so I think just a, a great scenario would be for a pastor to consider doing this with a member of their church. You know, that this, if you could raise up a man in your church who's not had any experience, that could be a great way to deepen your fellowship with that brother um, by going through something like this together. And another one I thought about just as a follow-up to what you were saying, um, the need is so great. Well, this training is adaptable in a way that institutional training isn't. There's, there are more kinds of men that this kind of training, that the ordinary pastor can reach, that a seminary can't reach. They might not be able to afford it. They might not um, you know even feel called to that vocational commitment to it, but want to grow and be able to feed Christ's sheep. And the ordinary pastor, just reading a book with and then practicing with someone that can reach so many more people and really speaks to what you were talking about, the urgent need for true preaching. Um, it will just it will channel men toward that in a great way. the The only other one I'd say um, that I don't know if you can speak to or not, but I just think this internship was mutually beneficial. And so if there's any pastors out there who are like, I'm not equipped to do this. I couldn't do an internship like that. I don't know what I'm talking about. I feel like I learned so much from you and from the books and even from having to try to apply the books with you. And so if you're out there and you don't feel like you know much about preaching, an internship is the best step, I think, to take to grow in preaching. That's that's what forced me to think about it in a more practical, tangible way than if I had just read the book myself and not really tried to apply it. So for all those reasons, I think we should not leave this kind of pastoral training to just professionals, but that ordinary pastors should. Should be trying to do it too Caleb anything else I so just want to thank you for jumping on here to have this conversation with me um anything else
1: you want to close with here it's it often said that the teacher learns the most and it's just uh, the practical element of being able to actually walk through it together. I think it's valuable enough that even for the pastor who's leading it the the one who's leading the training I think that's a valuable thing for them and I know for myself it was valuable training to be able to experience the the joy of preaching but also the burden of preaching the fact that it is feeding God's people it is helping meet the need of God's people looking to Jesus Christ as their hope and being fed on the word of God that he's provided the fact that God has given us what we need in his word and then he's called men to preach that and to be in the actual act of doing that and then as a church to take seriously the role and the purpose of training us in righteousness, of training us to seek Christ and seek his word. And uh, this time has just been very helpful for me. And I think I would encourage just anyone else to continue looking, to look at this as an opportunity to train men and also to be equipped and and trained yourself for, for ministry and serving God in his church. Caleb, those are great thoughts to end on. Uh, For those listening, we're thankful
0: and uh, hope that this encouraged you to be um, increasingly ambitious and faithful to the Lord Jesus wherever he's called you to serve him.